What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Brandon, Nate, John, oh, baby. <laughs> you heard that right. I love it. I should have just let you lead with it, honestly. Should just let you do the whole intro. Impromptu. Yeah. Brandon's bike, baby. He's in yeah. the building. He back. He back. Today, boys, we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC fight night, which was headlined by Kai Kata France and Amir Albazi. John's pissed. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> I almost didn't show up, I'll be honest with you. And now that we are at the halfway point of the year, we're going to take a look at some of the biggest fighters who are not currently booked and discuss what we would like to see for guys like Kamara Usman, John Jones, Israel Adesanya, Hamza of Max Holloway, just to name a couple. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 136 of the Neon Belly Podcast. And it's the Brandon's Back episode. Yeah. Of the Neon Belly Podcast. Some people are calling it that. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I've heard there was rumblings at Speedway. I, I stopped and got me a drink. And there was like, dude, did you hear Brandon's Back? I was like, wow, news to me, but I'm excited. So, so could, I meant to message you. It could also be the Brandon's High School Wrestling Weight episode. Mm. Yeah, well, done. there it is. Yeah. I, we just heard it. Yeah. Now some people are saying it. Wait. Yep. They're bringing I just got a. Just got a text. <laughs> wow, Brandon, how you doing, man? Uh, doing good. It's been a long couple months, but yeah. I'm really excited to be here. Really fun. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're here because in a recent poll, right? Mm-hmm. I did a poll, mm-hmm. and we asked the listeners, "Who keeps you coming back to the Neon Belly podcast?" Forty-six point two percent said me. Okay, no surprise. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. It was him slash Miley though. Thirty-eight point six percent Brandon. Thirteen point five percent said other. So I'm assuming like guests, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like Miley, click, right. click clacks in the background. Mm-hmm. 1.7% said John. Uh, John, I'm pretty sure that means just your mom and girlfriend voted well, here's for the you. Thing. The uh, ironic part of that is I'm the one who's been here the most. Uh, so I, that, that may that's say good bless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. I mean, I'm just saying, if I'm, uh, if I'm gone, we don't know what happened here. Could, yeah. could do without John's 1.7%, although we do appreciate your mom and girlfriend listening. Brandon, that 38.6%, man, I'm glad we're going to be able to retain that. Yeah, I'm not going to fact check you at all i'm just gonna take yeah. all that i must say the other percent is like me when i don't know what i'm talking about so <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair out. enough boys we have a lot to get to today mm-hmm. and uh before we do though quick announcement the kickback show this friday yeah. june 9th we go again um, our live US, UFC pre-fight show, The Kickback, for UFC 289, which goes down the following night, this Saturday, June 10th. Um, obviously, we're going to do all of our picks and predictions on there, so we don't do them on these sun, uh, Monday episodes anymore, uh, but for just for the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Um, but per usual, we will be live on the MMA Underground YouTube channel. That live stream starts at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this Friday, June 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, we will mm-hmm. share that link in our IG store. Obviously, um, but we would also encourage you head over to the MMA Underground YouTube and subscribe. Then click that little bell notification, and it'll remind you when we are going live. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, all things 289, Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana, um, and any other topics that you guys want to discuss as listeners. So come on over, mm-hmm. jump in the chat, let us know. We have fun with these things. Oh yeah, um, we've only got to do two, so excited to do another one. Um, and again. This is another one of those things uh, that the more you guys support, the more it helps us. We've got bigger plans for it, you know, things that we want to keep doing and growing, but we just got to 
grow the show itself. Right. And, and the best way to do that is getting you guys involved. And obviously we greatly appreciate that. And we've got some fun stuff planned, so definitely show up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and more things that we'd like to do, but like I said, we just got to just keep the engagement up on it and stuff like that, which it's been great so far. Yeah, I'm not definitely not complaining. Trying to get pyrotechnics. We're trying to get yes. CG in the background. There's stuff that we need, but we have to make sure we can show that, mm -hmm. hey, exactly. these guys put on a show. We so. just need a little bit more than John's 1.7%. That's hey. all I'm asking. Listen, man, do what you can. <laughs> Race up, follow Brandon. Let the people know. Every week, guys, I've been asking you to do this. We've been asking you to do it since day one. You can follow us. So on iTunes, Apple, um, iTunes, you can give us a five-star review on there. I'm a little rusty, guys. So you can give us a five-star review, um, list a, co a comment, and we will read it out out loud. You can also follow us on some of our social. We're on TikTok, Instagram, and what else? What YouTube. Else? YouTube. Twitter. Twitter. So are you doing Twitter? I know that's coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, John's been hitting it up. All right. So give us a follow on there at Neon Belly Podcast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we actually have a new five-star review Whoa. on Apple Podcasts. Let's go. Shout out to the homie Knuckle Hetty who said, I love these guys. Awesome wrap-up every fight week and keeps the excitement going for the next. We appreciate that from the homie Knuckle Hetty. Yeah. And let me say, and John, you can attest to this. Brandon, not so much because you like your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but... When you work the jobs that we do in a factory, you don't, you know, yeah. it, it's tough, right? And yeah. you come across some characters. Uh -huh. But every once in a while, you find one and you're like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're great. You, I'll invite you over to a cookout. And my know? boy, Knuckleheady, let me tell you, I know he's listening probably, and he's made many of shifts go by a lot quicker. One of the coolest human beings I've got to meet through my job, um, and definitely appreciate that uh, five-star review yeah, there. It helps out a lot, man. So Absolutely. If you want yours read, yeah. send them it. Come in, mm -hmm. man. Go do it. John, are you ready? Let's go. UFC Fight Night main event, Amir Albazi defeating... Kai Kara France via split decision. And as I said, shocker, but John is not happy. Uh, this no. was a very close fight. Um, I thought there was really one clear round, obviously, and that was round three for Albazi, where he almost finished by rear naked choke. And Brandon over here texting me his pick, talking about blindly, I'm just going to say, Amir Albazi by third round sub. You had to be going nuts. Yeah, I was, I was like, no way. No way I get this. The blind pick almost paid off there. Um, but credit to Kai Kara France, man, for fighting off that thing. Mm -hmm. I want, I'm calling for it now. I want City Kickboxing investigated. Um, they must be implanting like breathing mechanisms into these fighters <laughs> to be getting through these chokes. We've seen it with Volk. We're seeing it again. Um, you want to talk about controversy, look into that. Yeah. They're, they're trying to distract you from the, the real Craig thing. Jones Dude. There's something they're getting implanted with something. There's yeah. no way you fight. I mean, must be the air. Now we're getting technical. Yeah, but like the, the, you know, the angle wasn't great from Albazi. Right. You know, it was it was on the wrong side. But it wasn't man, so dead to rights like Volkanovski's. But it wasn't still pleasant. Really tight. He, he was grimacing. Mm -hmm. But outside of this round three, you know, I felt like every round for the most part was pretty close. Um, but ultimately, I will say I felt. Kai Kara France did enough here. I gave him rounds one, four, and five, um, but I also knew that round one was close. So I knew there was a chance that Albazi mm -hmm. won one, two, and three, um, which I think one judge actually does. The scorecards are just atrocious. Again, mm -hmm. we can get to that. Um, but your guys' thoughts on the decision, I guess we just start with John. Yeah. No, <laughs> I obviously I didn't agree. 
Um, I do think that three was a clear round, but I also thought round four was a clear round for Kai Kara. I would agree. He outstruck him like 27 to three, and that's when there, he really opened up. And I think if there's one clear round for Kai, it is that round. Which is so. which is why I'm the judges' scorecards are so crazy, right. because one judge gave that round to Albazi, which would have swung it to sure. a split decision for Kai Kara. But yeah. I thought <clears throat> Kai Kara did start slow, but I didn't think Albazi really did much either on his end. But yeah. I do felt like Kai Kara was landing more and, and throwing out more volume. And I thought rounds four and five, he really pushed it up sure. and uh, was going for it. Um, even with the the getting his back taken and almost getting finished, he ends it on top, landing some elbows. Um, so, uh, not that Albazi didn't have a good fight too, because he was landing some big left hands. Um, he was able to try at some takedowns. Um, didn't get a lot of them, but he created a lot of scrambles. Yeah. Um, and then for Kai Kara, he actually got a couple takedowns himself too. So I thought it was a really good fight, but I still think that Kai Kara won the fight. Yeah. So for me, like, I agree with you guys as far as the rounds being extremely close. Yeah. Um, round three, the most decisive, and I would agree that Kai also got the fourth. But I, I think in terms of the biggest moment, I think that has to go, you know, to Albazi. Is that pronounced right? Albazi. Albazi. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, I think that has to go to Albazi, and um, I think outside of that, the biggest thing for me too was. Kai did a lot of backing up this yeah. fight, which was very uncharacteristic for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that obviously, I think that paid poorly for him, kind of over the course of the entire fight as sure. well. I think honestly, if he had pushed a little more, that probably would have had a drastic impact as far as the judging uh, as well, because he did land good shots. But I think optically, just backing yes. up as much as he did was was rough, and especially in those first two rounds. And I I told you guys in our group chat that was my thing right from the start. Is like this is a a very shocking start, especially through that first round even. That's why I mm-hmm. knew that round could have gone either way um, because it was just – I felt like Kai was so defensive and he was so – not afraid. I don't want to use the word afraid, but he was just so worried about the takedown that he was almost intentionally keeping his back on the cage, which was allowing Albazi to come forward. He did have success landing big shots, especially in that second round. And uh, I told you guys, Dean Thomas talked about because he did the judging seminar, uh, mm-hmm. I think, this year last year and he said he thought Kai won the fight but he also said based off of um how they're now training judges the fact that what Albazi did is even if they weren't big shots when he was landing they were moving Kai they were physically moving Kai's body like he was moving back he was pushing him around the cage so to speak so yeah Mm -hmm. Kai definitely had the volume but in terms of looking like it was um, occurring damage Albazi was having more success with the damage do they lump that movement as far as moving forward moving back into the same category is like they're looking at that as like say Kai's backing up they're looking at that as a negative for Kai or a positive I think it's a negative and 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 but more so than like Kai backing up, what he was saying is Amir would throw a jab right, out. And even right. if it wasn't the hardest jab, it would pop Kai and then he would go back like, oh, mm-hmm. and he would kind of like, re- you know. Which is kind of silly because when somebody's hitting you, you don't go into it. When somebody's hitting you, sure. you get away from it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, I think that. The, I, I if, mean, I would argue you could use things like head movement, footwork and different things. Right. But, but, after Kai, you, but Kai wouldn't do that because he was so worried about keeping his back on the cage in those first, especially two, I mean, into round three as well. To me, he didn't get going. We didn't see Kai Kara France, at least what we've seen. And again, I still think he won. So, um, but we didn't really see him in his best form until that round four, and that's where I felt like, okay, right. this is what I thought we would have got right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought, I thought five, round five as well. I thought he came out. He had the bigger gas tank and I was really pushing. Five. It was um, close, but I did give it to him. But I, I think that if that's how they're going to look at it, that's one thing. But 
for Kai Car France to land so much, and the, neither one of them did a lot of damage with their strikes until, you know, the, Albazi had the second round. He had a couple big shots in the fifth round. Yeah, the fifth round, um, Kai Kara hit him with some a big shot that pushed him up against the cage. Um, so I, I don't think there was a lot of damage there necessarily. So if it's if you're not landing damaging shots and you're getting outstruck, it kind of to me feels well, like, especially the first round, because the first round he uh, Kai doubled the output, and there was nothing else significant that happened in the round. Sure, but every judge did give Kai the fifth round. So even if that is true, you know what right. you're saying that would. But still that line goes up. to the inconsistencies of yeah, the judging I mean, scorecard. Okay, so man. you had Chris, and, and I. I mean, here's the thing. I think if you look at it as Albazi won, Sal Diamato's card. It was perfect. One through three, Albazi. Four through five, Kai. And I wouldn't argue with that. Um, and then, um, who was the one that gave it to uh, Kai? Which judge was that? I don't remember. Uh, not Chrisley. No, it was Chrisley the other Butch. One. Yeah, um, so the other judge, I don't remember, but the other judge gave Kai rounds one, four, and five, which... Bell? Bell. No, yeah. Mike Bell. Yeah. Yep. Mike Bell gave Kai one, four, five, which again, if you think Kai won the fight, I think that's a great scorecard. But then Chris Lee. I mean, two, three, and four to Albazi. Um, I'm with John on this. I don't see how you look at round four. Um, again, as clear and decisive as round three was, round four was probably Kai's best round in this mm -hmm. fight and probably the most one-sided. Again, so I guess I could say maybe that was a clear round two. But, yeah, how he gave Kai round four, I have no idea. But it just is kind of that age-old thing that literally I think we've talked about since we started this podcast is until judges, I saw Izzy speak out on it, until we start or the sport starts holding judges accountable, we'll never know. And mm -hmm. like I even said to you guys last night, they don't have to do a full-blown press conference, but I think they should be responsible for writing up putting out some type of written something explaining yeah. their logic or reason and what they saw um, because that's the only way we can hold these guys accountable for it. Um, and again, I'm not saying it was a robbery, mm -hmm. but I think that scorecard specifically, nobody saw the fight like that. I don't, I, you know what I mean? Right. I think even if you saw it for Albazi, you, you're more in line. So how he got that far off and Chris Lee's a guy that's turning a lot of bad scorecards. Mm -hmm. That's why I said, I know you said the whole thing about Sal Diamato, but I can at least look at Sal's card and say, yeah, I could see that. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. So that made sense to me. But um, obviously, this is a super tough loss for Kai as well. It drops mm -hmm. two straight. I mean, granted, against you know Moreno and now uh, Amir Albazi. So he's going to have to find a way to rebound, win a couple, to get back into the mix at 125 pounds. I don't think it's going to be super hard for him to do. You know, you just got to get back to winning. Mm -hmm. But Albazi made it very clear. He wants the title next. But the question is, for me, for you guys, is, was that enough for you to earn him that number one contender status? Like, do you think um, he could compete with Brandon Moreno or Alexandre Pantoja, whoever wins that fight? I mean, I do think he can compete because he went out there and competed with Kai, and Kai's been in there with Moreno. Right. Granted, you know, he got finished. Um, now, does he deserve it after that? Yeah. I, I would say I'm not so convinced of that. Because you think, still got Brandon Roy Val as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think I, I wouldn't be mad given the way this fight went down to see him in there one more. And, uh, you know, if he does well in yeah. that fight, then I'm cool with him. Yeah, you know, maybe getting a shot. Yeah, I, I think that um, you can't pass Brandon Roy Val for what he's done. It's tough. Um, but I, I don't know how well he does because he, I mean, this was his first five round. This is the first time that Kai also went five round as well. But he did seem to fade a little bit there. And yeah, he did. You know, and Kai has really good takedown defense and it showed in the fight. 
but it'll just be interesting to see with some of the openings that Kai was able to expose how that happens for somebody faster like a Brandon Moreno sure. or you know Pantoja with his level of grappling because Kai was able to get out of the worst condition or worst positions you can get into. So yeah. it'll just be interesting to see how that translates against guys who have different skill sets. Yeah, I say set me up. I think one more for Albazi as well. I say him versus Brandon Roy Val. Clear-cut number one mm -hmm. contender fight, in my opinion, whoever wins that. You don't argue it. Um, and then for me, for Kai, I think then you could set up Kai Kara France versus Manel Kopp. He beats Manel mm -hmm. Kopp. You're right back in the mix as well. Sure. You know, And we don't know. I mean, and, and Davison Figueredo, I guess, maybe plays into this as well. But who freaking knows <laughs> uh, what Davison Figueredo where he's going to land. He's one week, he's 135. The next, he's back down to flyweight. Mm -hmm. So I tend to just not look at guys like that or factor them in here because we don't even know. Right. Uh, but, you know, if you want to make a big fight for Kynex, I think Manel Kopp, who's on a win streak and could get him right back there if mm -hmm. he were to win. So You also have Matthias Nikolai there who's coming off of a loss. He's still number five right now. Yeah. So I still think Manel Kopp's a bigger fight. Yeah, I think that. Manel Kopp deserves that fight. And it was such a close fight. You know, it's not like Kai needs to drop a lot either. Right. Or it's not like you can't give him a guy on a win streak or something mm -hmm. like that. And he is coming off of a world title fight as well. So that right. doesn't exactly suck. Next fight, boys, the co-main event. Alex Caceres defeats Daniel Pineda. Via unanimous decision. I mean, this was a war, man. Fight of the night, baby. Yeah, they did win fight of the night. Um, I imagine both of these guys are feeling this fight today. Uh, great first round by Alex Caceres. Landed a beautiful combo at the end of round one. And I thought if he just separated, I told you guys, bit of a mistake there by mm -hmm. Caceres. Because if he would have just separated instead of initiating the grappling, um, he, I think he could have finished Pineda, even with only like 12 seconds left. Mm -hmm. uh, because when he kind of initiated the tie and... Mm -hmm. Kind of tried to go that front headlock. Pineda ended up actually taking him down, kind of. <laughs> he was falling, but mm -hmm. uh, but then Pineda came back in round two, won the round with some really nice grappling. You know, I said I thought that would be his best chance going into this, but, you know, Alex Caceres is so tough on the ground. We've seen man. it time and time again. He's just a good mixed martial artist. He floats so well on top of Oh, man, ball. there was just some fun transitions in this fight. Uh, but heading into round three, you could tell Pineda was gassed. And Caceres, yeah, and Caceres really teed him up in round three. But credit to Pineda, who kept coming forward. I told you guys, I think he probably earned a lot of fans last night. Mm -hmm. um, even dropped Caceres. Did he get round. a knockdown like, yeah. right at the end? Right at the end. It was close. Uh, but too little, too late. And Bruce. Bruce Leroy, boys, gets his first Bruce. win. Bruce Leroy uh, <laughs> gets his first win as a ranked fighter. Uh, it's got to feel good for a guy mm, like yeah. him. Called out Alexander Volkanovsky as well, <laughs> which I loved. Um, but I think a fight that really makes sense to me for Caceres, and you guys can comment, is him versus Edson Barbosa. Mm. Um, they're right there, 15, 14 and 15, I think, for where both guys in their, are in their career. It makes a ton of sense. You do have somebody like Sadiq Youssef above him and Bryce Mitchell. Um, but to me, him versus Edson is just a fun matchup. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like him and Edson. I also like him and Bryce Mitchell, too. I think that one's really fun. But as far as the fight, man, that, that first real big body shot he landed in the yeah. third round, I mean, he just like went straight through opinion. I mean, Crazy. You could just see and hear how, oh, that would have been terrible. Yeah. And then just kind of kept going to it throughout the round. But the other thing that really surprised me was in round one, his, like you guys kind of mentioned, his offensive grappling mm -hmm. when he kind of initiated that guillotine. He looked really good. I yeah. Mean, I know he kind of got caught close in the second round there, but I mean, it's, you know, Daniel Pineda, so that's, that yeah. happens. But anyway, he looked fantastic at number 15 and showed, you know, yeah. why he belongs. So. Yeah, Pineda's guard is crazy. Yeah, he's good. I mean, he, he never rested on anything. They only gave him one sub attempt, but... Yeah. And you watch 
tonight. There was a couple of them that were really close yeah. as far as catching Some crazy triangles, arm too. bars. Yeah. Um, but I think Bruce Leroy is starting to find a little bit. Like, you know, he's on it. He's hot and cold. Yeah. And right now he's looking really, really good. Um, was able to mix in a lot of good things. And I think that, you know, Barbosa would be a really good fight. Yeah. Bryce Mitchell, the lead up would be hilarious because yeah. I feel like he would try to play into the whole. Bryce said, uh, Bryce did put out a video this week. He wants mobs are yeah. or, or bust pretty much. Yeah. So I don't think that'll happen, but him and Edson, I think it'd just be a fun fight. I mean, they're just two great mixed martial artists. The stand up battle would obviously be interesting. And I think as, as well as calling out Volkanovsky, he said he wouldn't be mad at Yair winning and getting the rematch because they fought before, yeah. obviously. Mm -hmm. so. I just loved when Bisping asked him that just the sincerity like he wasn't laughing or she was being like dead serious like yeah you know maybe just bulk like like just casually <laughs> well, the, the number 15 guy well the way that bisping <laughs> does is like hey i don't want to push you after they say they don't want to call nobody out so you kind of put these guys in a situation where it's like i guess i'll just call out the champ because yeah you know it doesn't make sense for me to just call out a random person mm -hmm. when I, I didn't want to in the first place i did want to stop i would want to ask you guys about <clears throat> an article i read about pineda this week um he essentially said in an interview um that he is not concerned with wins and losses, rankings or titles. Um, he's basically just fighting for the money and he's chasing bonuses. Even if he kind of has to go out on his shield, I think his fight kind of showed that, you know, you see who he is through his fights. Mm -hmm. um, but my question is, you know, I read that and, and I guess as fans, my question to you guys is, is it hard for you to kind of get behind guys like that who, you know, Kevin Holland's another one who has said similar things. Like, I don't care if I win or lose. I don't really care about a title. Um, but do you find it like like rooting for fighters who are just exciting? Like, is that kind of an easy thing for you to do? Or would you prefer getting behind and rooting for a fighter who makes it clear that they want to be the best in the world and that they're really here with title aspirations? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not saying we don't enjoy seeing Kevin Holland and Daniel Pineda's fight because it's fun. I mean, right. like, you see these guys fighting. It's even the ones that, you know, don't say it, but they are just clearly out bonus chasing. It's, mm -hmm. It is fun. But in terms of just like really like getting invested in behind it, guy like that is that you know what i'm does that kind of make sense like do you find that easy to just get behind or would you rather a guy come out and be like hey i i want i mean the money's good like i mean they're all fighting for money right mm -hmm. but the money is cool but i just i want to be the best in the world i want to win a world title so I, I would say i like that i have both right like i'm glad it isn't the case that there is no such thing as title chasers and we point. just have these guys that you know are just out for the bonuses yeah. so the fact that we have both makes it way easier for me that. to get behind somebody who's just kind of chasing the you know the bonuses so to speak but my outlook on that too is, you know, if you're chasing the bonuses, yeah, there's a chance you're going to lose. Like, but that's the case even if you're chasing titles. So, sure. in my opinion, like the the path to the title is kind of going to fall in place anyway. Sure, like, it's just inherent with the sport, right? You're going out there to win, whether that's for a bonus or for a belt. Sure. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, to me, as long as it's there are still some guys like Volk and you know Max and these guys who chase the title, then then I'm good with it. Sure. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of because of that, there's a lot of people after that second body kick in the third round who are folding because he stepped back, oh, yeah. puts his hands on his on his side like, man, I can't, I can't. Yeah, it's not like he's not going out and just quit. Right. Yeah. And as somebody who also does a job, he doesn't like for money i can appreciate it yeah so no, I, and, and you know and like another thing that i thought too is um what's the best route to ensuring job security in the ufc you know because we've seen a lot of fighters stick away around uh way longer than they should have just because they're exciting right i mm -hmm. mean look at a guy like sam alvey i mean yeah. holy cow i mean and then, then cerrone well yeah and then in likewise we've seen the ufc be very impatient with fighters who maybe uh they deem as boring because they're willing to win by any means necessary even if it isn't flashy and it's not fun mm -hmm. um so at the same time you know i also can't blame a guy like pineda 
and Holland, um, who make it clear, like, I'm just bonus chasing. And if the rest comes, cool. That's how you get the opportunities, man. Right. But yeah, but even if it's their, not their prime goal, like, I do kind of get it because it's like, well, at the same time, what's the best way of ensuring job security? Because if you are like, let's just say like a boring wrestler, but you're just on this path to a title because you're just mowing everybody down. You win two or three, lose two or three in a row, you're probably out. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's like, then it becomes that of like, you know, what's the best route to just sticking mm-hmm. around here? Well, at yeah. the end of the day, it's so, entertainment. Yeah. And as I much as it's a sport, it has to, you have to be able to draw viewers and people to show up and watch Absolutely. The and so I don't blame a guy like, like Pinade mm-hmm. or Holland for saying that stuff because it's like, man, yeah, you're going to make money and you're probably going to be around a little longer than somebody yeah. that's just you know, trying to win. Well, and when they need somebody last minute and they're like, yeah. how are we going to save this, you know, fight night card? Sure. Who do you think they call up? They call up the guy who's going to go in there on two days notice and, <laughs> yeah. you know, put it all on the line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Boys, Jim Miller defeats Jesse Butler via first round knockout. Ooh. That was scary. Boys, Jimmy Mill ticket just sitting him down. 23 seconds. That's all it took. Um, I mean, forget fight number 43, UFC fight number 43. He can go to 86 if this is how they're all going to go. <laughs> and I'm Man. here for it. I say just keep giving him guys. I mean, no offense to Jesse Butler, um, who, you know, obviously took the fight on last mo- moment. Um, this was just as scary as it gets in terms of knockouts, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and like I said, Miller was supposed to fight Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon fell off this week. Jesse Butler answered the call for his UFC debut on a few days' notice. So credit to him, obviously. You know, Mm -hmm. it takes balls to come in on your UFC debut Mm -hmm. on a couple days' notice to fight a legend like Jim Miller. But sheesh, why do you have to do him like that? (laughs) I mean, holy cow. That was just as... I mean, just... I think I sent you instantly. Like, did he just kill that kid? Like, I mean, he looked like dead. Like that yeah, the was way crazy. He, the way he seized up on his knees, just kind of sitting up. Oh, it's like a headshot, literally yeah. headshot, dead. Like, mm. holy cow, man! I just think there's there's certain people that it's just when they have that type of chin, staying in that range with them is dangerous. Yeah. And Jim Miller has it, man. How old is Miller? Like forty. I think he's in his high forties. Power's still there, man. It's crazy. And like, what's crazy? 39. Oh, 39. I thought he was older than that. Sorry, Jimmy Mill ticket. Uh, <laughs> but no, I was just like, I'm just blown away. And I, like I said, hey, I, and I'm not even saying Jesse Butler is a paint can, but I'm so okay. If they just want to start giving Jim Miller paint cans all the way to UFC 300, yeah, like you gotta who's, who's going to say no well, to at that? At this point, he might end up fighting like his nephew or something. Like he's been in so long. Whatever, man. You can give him somebody that's like seven and 77. I don't care. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I was a little, I was a little disappointed too, because obviously I rode with him for the pick before they switched over. And I was like, man, yeah. I just feel like this, this Jim Miller, as long as they, like you said, as long as they keep it in this yeah. range, He's going to be a really tough out for a lot of people. Yeah, you want to talk about what's fun. I mean, there's weekend warrior fighters that, you know, we've, you know, we talked about with Jacob that they just answer the call on a weekend and they'll go fight somebody. They don't, they really don't care if they win or lose. And like, let's just keep bringing those guys in. Well, I think Jim Miller is the top level of what we were talking about with guys who are just okay with having good like crazy good fights like he said he's like i just want to have fun fights people i admire i'll go up to 170 like it don't matter and brandon you know you had to love it when michael bisping asked him what do you want to do like what's left for you to do in this sport and the first thing he says is i want a kimura finish yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was fantastic like all he wants is his kimura finish like (laughs) let's go i'll go fight him for that you know i'll I'll give it to him you know (laughs) whatever you just have it take it yeah so, I, yeah, I'd love to see a guy like Jim 
Miller, though, still do still knocking it down. Like I said, they said you know that Jesse Butler had like 17 mixed martial arts fights or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying he's a paint can by any means. I've never seen him fight, obviously. But I said he was coming off like a head kick knockout. Yeah, he's and a stuff young like dude, that, man. It's, there's, it's it's we'll get to it in a minute. There's no easy fights, man. It's right. dangerous, mm-hmm. no matter who you're fighting, debut or not. Next result, though, Karini Silva. <laughs> Oh, look away. Defeats Ketlin Souza via first round leg lock. Um, I mean, Karini Silva absolutely destroyed Souza's knee here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very weird. She was kind of sitting on like that straight ankle um, and then kind of essentially squared up to her butt and, and then just, broke the knee like over her thigh in a sense. Well, she was, wasn't she reaping the leg? Like her, She was reaping, yeah. yeah, really hard, like mm-hmm. almost like figure four reaping. Yeah. But then like, but she was kind of on that left hip and then as she squared up, she just kind of brought the knee sideways. Um, and I mean, you got to also feel for Sosa here um, because I'm oh, telling you that my head. her <laughs> knee is wrecked. I mean, yeah. that's, I feel for her, like that's going to be a long painful sad lonely recovery it's right. tough man it's she, she's gonna have a long that was her back. debut correct i don't know i don't know if it was her debut i think she did the the contender series i think this was her debut definitely entered um our uh submission of the year nominees mm-hmm. as well there so shout out to karini silva next result zaleski dos santos defeats Abubakar Nurmagomedov via split decision. Um, and I feel like I just wanted to pit stop here um, because you have to say um, it's not every day you get to say someone defeated a Nurmagomedov, yeah. let alone a Dos Santos defeating a Nurmagomedov. Right. <laughs> so I just had to pit stop here and mention that. Uh, shout out to Zaleski I think Dos the, I think the last name is still 52 and 10 total. It's crazy of, for, uh, for Nurmagomedov. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's even one more specific than that where it's like anybody with the last – uh, 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 Mega or what is it? Uh, Magomed, Magomed, or something in their name, or they're like 120 and seven in all promotions <laughs> yeah. or something. He's 17 and four. Yeah, so he's definitely like six other losses amongst the. He's other lost ones. in the Ugh. UFC. I mean, he's definitely not like you know the like in terms of like talent, the biggest right. made off talent. But I think he is related to Habib. I know he's, yeah, he's with, a cousin. I yeah. believe yeah. they're actually related. In our last result, boys, Muhammad Naimov defeats Jamie Malarkey via second round TKO. I mean, you want to talk about debuts. What a debut for Naimov. Jamie Malarkey was set to face Guram Kutataladze in a fight we thought not only was the best fight on this card, but had possibly top 15 implications for the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, earlier in the week, just like Jared Gordon did, Guram fell off this card due to injury, um, which now makes that three UFC fights, I believe, that he's fallen out of. Um, so enter Muhammad Naimov from Tajikistan, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, last minute trains, I think, in... Did they say he trains in Nevada, though, or something? Elevation or team fight. Okay, or so elevation in Colorado. Fight team, yeah. So he's out of Denver, uh, but he steps up on a few days' notice, again, making his UFC debut against a killer in Jamie Malarkey. So that's why you don't want to take too much from Dan Miller, because like I said, uh, he pulled it off, and mm-hmm. um, he was the biggest underdog on this card. Um, and believe it or not, boys, he's actually a featherweight. I went and looked him up. All of his fights, like his last three or four wins, all at featherweight. Um, so not only does he come in on late notice, he's coming up a weight class as well, which is worth mentioning. Um, and this is what we mean. Like I said, when you just don't know, there's no easy fights at this level right. of MMA. 
anybody can be anybody. I think I think there's kind of three different storylines here in this whole fight, but just your guys' reaction to a guy like Naeem Mov coming in and being a guy like Jamie Malarkey, who, like I said, on the cusp potentially of top 15. Man, he just looked like everything hurt. Yeah. Like every single kick he threw sounded like a wolf yeah. bat being just swung around. Mm-hmm. Um his punches were going hard. Like it, Jamie Markey had a great round one. That's what I was going to say. I, I don't want to take anything away from it. I still feel like Jamie Malarkey's the better fighter. He was had such a early, good early round. He just got caught. He walked in with his hands down and got caught. He just can't do that. Well, I think it started with that spinning back kick. Yeah. It landed so flush, and he had to try to grab and clinch for a takedown. He had those good leg kicks, I think, too. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was landing those calf kicks a lot. But I think when that second round, when he landed that spinning back kick, and then Malarkey kind of had to like clinch and try to grab him, that seemed like a downfall. And then right. after that, he just turned up on him and just landed two huge shots. Because I, I was wondering about the featherweight thing, because he, he said something about Max Holloway. Yeah, I looked it up. He, all, all of his fights He's recently like, featherweight. You know, no more like little guys like Max Holloway. I'm here. And it's like, mm. yeah, what a way to uh, announce that. Yeah, no. Who Who is the guy that we watched if he was a few weeks ago? He came in on short notice and he had a really fantastic performance. Oh. Alexa Grosso's jujitsu yeah, coach. Yeah, what was his name? Um, oh, darn it. It made me think of that, though, yeah, where, like, you know, remember. you come in short notice and, you know, you're no one's really expecting you to do too, too much. And then you go out there and you just really put on. Now, granted, the guy yeah. I'm referring to didn't end up winning, um, but. In this instance, he did, and it just you know that's how you take advantage of the opportunity, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. and then I think you have to talk about Malarkey here. Uh, you just can't help but also feel for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, this is now the second fight in a row where he was going to get his chance against a bigger-named opponent, and it fell off short notice, and then that's also now back-to-back fights where he's had to fight a debuting opponent. And when you're a guy like Malarkey with where he is in the UFC, right, it's really a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he never says never, or never says no, he's always willing to fight um but man this time the risks didn't pay off for him and kind of being on the verge of potentially breaking through you just can't like i said you can't help but feel for yeah. him today. well especially in 55 yeah man, that's such a tough division and i mean for you know to especially to lose to technically a 45er that doesn't help either but there's yeah. so many people ahead of you that are still winning right now that you kind of have it's to tough, like jump yeah. right back on the horse if you're wanting to like make back up that space you just lost absolutely and then you have to mention guram that's the other third part of this equation. You know, as I mentioned, I'm pretty sure that's three fights now. I mean, we said it last week. He's been in the UFC since 2020, and he's only had two UFC fights. Um, and he's such a good talent. He's just such... I mean, you just look at him, and you know how high level he is, but it's kind of to the point now where you, it's really worrying, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to see that he can't get through a fight camp. He can't make it to fights. Um, you just hate to see it, man. You hope this isn't, like, kind of... I mean, we've talked about it with like a Demir Ismagulov, you know, mm-hmm. guy that he, that one of his two UFC fights, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just, you can't help but wonder what's going on there. Right. And you just hope you don't see him fall off either. Right. And that's, and that's what we talk about with the the lightweight division. Like somebody like him yeah. could beat, you know, anybody within the top 10 you oh, know, yeah, easily. at his best, but he's not able to make those I mean, his two you know, his his fights happen. Two UFC fights are Mateusz Gamrat and Demir Ismagulov. He beat Gamrat. In a close fight, lost to Ismagulov in a close fight. Two guys, super high level. So right. you know where his level is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, man, he just, it's worrying. It right. is a bit worrying. And you, like I said, I hope this isn't uh, something that, you know, maybe prematurely ends his career, I guess. I mm-hmm. don't know. Update on the scores. I'm sitting pretty at top with 47. John, you got one point last night with 36. Brandon, one point last night, 32. <sighs> it's rough, man. I, don't even, I didn't even want to hear it. It's, it's comeback season. Hey, big week coming up. 
pay per view. Coming. Lot, I mean, the next three months. I, no, yeah, four. Yeah, I saw four months. There's a fight every weekend for the next four months. That's just <laughs> UFC as well. Right. I mean, there's still plenty more. Uh, let's move on, boys, to our UFC headliners. Um, so what we wanted to do is we're kind of at this halfway mark of the year, like we you know we had talked about and. We're seeing now kind of everything take shape, take form, right? But there's a lot of big-name fighters now who are not booked. Um, a lot of them, you would assume, maybe at this point, probably going to get one. Maybe they can sneak in another one by the end of the year. So we just kind of want, want to run through some of these names and just kind of get your guys' thoughts on maybe what you would see or like to see from them. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about the former welterweight champ, Kamara Usman. Um who do you or who would you want to see him fight next? And do you want to see it at welterweight? And do you think so? I guess we'll start there. Who do you think he fights next? And do you think it's going to be at welterweight? We'll do, we'll do that. I want to see him fight Hamzat. So I mean, that to me, that's kind of been the rumor circulating. Uh, to my knowledge, nothing's been confirmed or no, anything like yeah. that. Um, I want to see him fight Hamzat. I don't particularly care what weight, um, whatever weight's going to make. I guess ensure Hamzat shows up. I think it'd be cool to see Usman at 85. Sure. Um, but I, I wonder how he looks against Hamzat there. Um, he might need it. Yeah. <laughs> he might need the extra weight. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's my take. I want to see him against the Wolf. Um, I think that's an absolutely fun fight to see. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at with him. So I have a couple options, and then I have a wild card. The wild card is something I don't think will happen, but it would be cool. Mm -hmm. So I think Hamzat obviously is yeah. the, the biggest one. You still have Bilal Muhammad there. Um, who could probably use a marquee win if he's going to have to wait. I think he's going to hold out. Okay. Yeah. And then you have Shavkat. He still doesn't yeah, have an opponent. And if and if Shemaev can't make 170 and Usman wants to fight at 170, Shavkat deserves that, I think. I think he needs um, a marquee opponent and nobody's really stepping up to even call him out. Yeah. And then my wild card is a move up to 85. Paulo Costa doesn't have an opponent right now. Derek Brunson doesn't hey, have. I thought Costa was booked. He was fighting that no-name guy. Oh Everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek Brunson is the other person I thought yeah, of who just isn't booked. Yeah, that's not a that's not a big enough fight for him though. I agree. I think if he stays at welterweight, it has to be Shopcock because that's just the only high level guy. Um, but that's his quickest way back to a title as well. But you know, with where seventy is, that's tough. If he's gonna go up to eighty five, it, it really is. It's it's Hamzat or bust because as you just kind of mentioned there. The middleweight division is like so booked right now. It's a novel. I mean, mm -hmm. it's unreal. Everybody is booked. You know, Brunson is the only one not with a fight. Is Delizze booked? No, but he's down oh, at so twelve. But yeah. you're not going to give Kamara right. number twelve or eight ranked middleweight. You're not. You just can't do that. Um, he could theoretically, you know, face Hamzat at seventy, um, as well. But I have a feeling the UFC just has no interest in seeing Hamzat at seventy again. That's just kind of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Especially in a, as this would be such a big fight. Can you trust a guy like Hamzat at 170 right. with how big this fight would be? It's just too right. much of a risk. Because um, not only did he miss weight, but he didn't care. Right. right. So you just don't know. Um, then it becomes a question of what is, is Usman's appetite, you know, to move up to middleweight. I said, you know, he might need the weight against Hamzat. But you might want to Hamzat suck down if you're Usman as well. Like pull him down to 170. But you mm -hmm. just don't know if he's even going to cut it anyways. Um and then the nightmare, though, is the option with the Shavkat, though, that I think um, is I think you'd still rather face a Hamzat over a Shavkat, not because I think one's better than the other, but Hamzat's on the verge of stardom. He's getting he's getting to the point where he's mm -hmm. going to be massive. He sells himself really well, um, and he's almost viewed as like the uncrowned champ right now. I mean, everybody's just kind of like... All he needs is his shot, right? That's all people think. Um, and if he fought Shavkat, if Usman did... It's equally as dangerous of a fight, 
but there's just no fanfare attached to a guy mm. like it's be a nightmare. And then if you lose to Usman, that would be a rough loss, um, as it would not only drop him to three straight losses in welterweight but now you've also got uh you've also lost to a, a guy outside of the top five you're saying if Usman lost to, to Shavkat okay. at welterweight it would just be really tough because mm. I mean Shavkat's not really gonna sell the fight it's you know maybe it's like the third or fourth fight on a paper you know you maybe could get a co-main out of that but mm-hmm. it just would be really tough to take that loss and it's it's a, still a very dangerous fight just like Shavkat or uh, Hamza would be um but now um so but moving to welterweight to face a guy like Hamza, who many thinks already destined to be the champ, I think is a better move for him because then you can always come back down to welterweight even if you lose your next fight and you're right back in the mix because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, he just went up 15 pounds. You know what I mean? Right. So it's not, and he fought a killer. Like there's, I feel like there's a little, if you want to pad that or um, kind of pad the fall a little bit for Usman if you were to lose and think ahead is like, if I go up, it's kind of like Izzy, right? You don't mm-hmm. lose much stock at 85 for losing to the 205-pound champ. So. Right. And I think it would also depend on the weight that the UFC would hold a win over Hamza at 85 for him because he said his road is he wants Hamza and then he wants the fight, uh, the rematch with Leon, mm-hmm. basically by taking out the number two, three guy, get me back to the title. So as long as he feels like the, the UFC will say, hey, if you beat this guy who is ranked in your division at this other weight class, then we'll still honor that as like a, all right, you, you're probably ready, depending on what happens with the Colby and yeah. uh, Leon fight. And I also think too, if, if, if Usman went up and lost, and then it's like, well, now where do you go with him next? Another thing, you know, this is like a way too early prediction. This would be like summer of next year, you know, like he loses and then this guy maybe, even if either won't want to lose, I think him and Conor McGregor could be a big fight. Whether Conor mm-hmm. loses or wins to Michael Chandler and Hamza or uh, Usman wins or loses to Hamza, like that fight at 170 sells itself as well, which is another, like I said, like it just kind of adds more if you go up coming mm-hmm. back down to 170 you're just not going to lose much stock mm-hmm. in my opinion if you're Usman mm-hmm. and when you're kind of when the division's kind of in this limbo you know you got Colby next Bilal is definitely probably after that well Dana has said Bilal is after that we'll see you're going to have to fight once or twice if you're Usman anyways mm-hmm. so right. you may as well at this point we know he's on borrowed time potentially just get your get your biggest fights you can right now well, and you don't know what happens if Connor wins I mean, but even if Connor wins and Usman loses, you could still do Connor versus. I mean, they're. Well, Connor, I'm saying for the title. Yeah. Because they're yeah. Then they, you, any chance they have to throw Connor in a title shot, though, they're taking. Right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So it could like if you're Usman, you do got to yeah. be very strategic with this because you don't know how things are going to shake out. I don't know if Con- well, no, don't definitely Connor would fight Leon. Never mind, because they're under the same management paradigm but connor said in that mcgregor forever he would fight his coach so right <laughs> he would probably definitely fight leon <laughs> uh next person i want to move on to uh is john jones and my question is do you guys think john jones fights again in 2023 and is it against stipe miocic i honestly i hope he fights in 2023 um is it against stipe i don't I don't know. Like I've just heard nothing about Stipe mm-hmm. at all. Like even since Pavlovich had his yeah. his run, so I have a feeling it's not going to be Stipe at this point. But um, as far as your question to twenty twenty three, I really hope so. But I, I don't know. They have such a hard time. It seems with getting him booked and getting him to fight. Like, but, and I grant granted the last two years he's been prepping for his heavyweight um, bid, but it just seems like he always has a decent chunk of time in between mm-hmm. fights. So I could see it going into early twenty twenty four when we see him again. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 weird because if you go by their interactions, Stipe's been ready, sending the contract. Yeah, I, I was ready to fight in July. You wanted to push it back, whatever, whatever. And then John's obviously saying his side of, well, Stipe, where are you at? Where are you at? And to still have nothing booked 
and I don't know if it's maybe to see how, you know, some of these cards shake out or if a, a venue opens up, if they want to do it somewhere other than Vegas, but it, it's not, unless they're saving it for the end of the year. We know they like to do big end of the year fights, so I could very much see him having having a fight then. I don't know if it's Stipe. Um, you know, he only has a couple more fights that even interest him. I don't even know if that's even Pavlovich. Maybe it's Stipe or Bus for him because he really doesn't have much else to prove if he doesn't want to. So it'll kind of just be up to him or what the UFC try to make shake. I think the only way he fights again this year is if it's against Stipe. Um, he said recently in an interview that he has no interest in fighting Sergey Pavlovich because he's not very well known. Um, and I genuinely think Jones is probably one, maybe two fights away from retirement anyways. Um, and I kind of don't blame him for uh, risking that, you know, your legacy against a very threatening opponent that even if he wins, uh, like if John Jones were to win, it doesn't really move the needle much or do much in terms for his legacy to beat a guy like Sergey Pavlovich. Um, I think a retirement fight against Stipe, who, though I kid around a lot, I still think Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all mm. time. I don't think it's John Jones yet. Um, but Stipe in Madison Square Garden as a legacy fight, um, and I think that's I think that's what John Jones wants. Um, and I think that's the stuff that would motivate him and excite him. to, And it would also solidify himself as not just the greatest light heavyweight, but he'd also be putting himself then in the conversation of the greatest heavyweight of all time. Mm -hmm. um, while... Also, excuse me, in my opinion, if he were to win, there would be no doubt that he's the greatest mixed martial artist of all time as mm -hmm. well. You, you know, not that there's much there to argue to begin with, in my opinion, but if he were to go beat Stipe Miocic, there's no arguing it, and that will live forever. Um, but I just don't think uh, you get all of those things when you walk away from the sport mm -hmm. if you fight Pavlovich, even if he wins. Well, and that's a... It to be determined because he could beat Pavlovich and then Pavlovich doesn't lose again for the next six, it seven years. Well. It could age it's like well. the, the Floyd Mayweather Canelo thing where it's like you took this guy out when he was on his way up and then he hasn't really lost since. And it does look good yeah, for but you. You just don't risk your legacy on that though, because you don't, you don't, you know, you have to do with what's now. And right now, Stipe Miocic is the greatest heavyweight of all time. We know that for a fact right now. Mm -hmm. You just can't argue it. He's, right. He really has everything, including a win over Francis Ngannou. Right. Who, Again, a lot of people could argue he's the greatest active heavyweight, but Stipe has that, and he has the title defense. He has everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're John Jones, you don't, and you know you've got one, maybe two left in you, you don't risk it against a guy like Pavlo. He, I think he recognizes the danger in the fight. I don't think he's afraid to fight him, but it's what's going to get you the most in a win. And, I mean, him and Stipe is massive. Which would you be more impressed by, though, if he uh, beat Stipe or if he beat Sergey? Uh, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question. It's, it's tough. I, I think you still have to go with Stipe though. I mean, just cause it's, it's just the bigger fight. It just genuinely is the bigger fight. And then I feel like too, and I know we're playing with what ifs here and that's dangerous, but if he goes out and just wrecks Sergei Pavlovich kind of the way he did surreal gone, we'd all be sitting here like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As to where Stipe Probably one of the greatest wrestlers he's faced. Definitely, you know, in terms of grappling, I mean, he's a very, I mean, there's a lot of interesting threats with Stipe that mm -hmm. presents itself to John Jones than just looking out for Pavlovich's power, which with his link, his kicks, his grappling, it's going to be a tough ask for Pavlovich. It's still super dangerous. Right. But, I, I guess I say that because Stipe is coming off getting knocked out and not having fought in X amount of time. But he's getting, yeah, but he got knocked out against Francis Ngannou, who he beat before that. Right, well. right. But I'm saying compared to Pavlovich, who's just literally running through everybody and nobody's been able to figure it out but yet. But who is Pavlovich? Pavlovich beat 
I mean, he just beat who? He just Curtis beat, Blades. Uh, Curtis Blades. That's his biggest win to date. And he has a loss to was it Overing? Overing who out grappled him. Outgrappled him. So right. that's what I'm saying. Like, what is in it for John Jones to beat a guy who just knocked out Curtis Blades in his biggest fight of his UFC career? I mean, I just feel like he'd Against, be the more over a guy like Stipe Miocic who. Most UFC heavyweight title wins, you know, or uh, most defended, beat Francis Ngannou. I mean, even for a guy like Jones, right? If he goes out and beats Stipe, he could say, "Yeah, I did it more impressive." I mean, you know, to Ngannou, I mean, right. he could, could kind of create his own narrative behind that. But so, as a fan, would you be disappointed if if the Stipe fight doesn't happen? If he and Sergey's right there, he just retires and doesn't fight him? No, no, he has nothing else to prove at this point. No. If Sergey was the champion and he was on his way up and he had to be, I mean, the thing with Surreal Gone is I don't think John Jones would have chose Surreal Gone. He was just the guy with the title, or mm-hmm. he was the opportunity, right? Because mm-hmm. I think he was was he the interim champ? No, he lost to Steve, or he lost to Francis. Francis. So they just gave so him the vacant. next, yeah, okay, for the so vacant. He was just the guy. They could have they could have put Sergey there, and John would have fought him. He just wanted the title. Now he achieved that goal. Now he wants the next goal, which is okay. I'm going to beat the guy that everybody considers to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I think John Jones, DC, actually said it. He was like, the problem with John Jones, and I think why we haven't seen him or he's not running back is because, and this is DC's words, is. I don't think he felt threatened by it. like Surreal Gone didn't scare him. It was too easy for him. Mm-hmm. And John Jones is a guy that needs to feel threatened. He needs that motivation. And I think Sergey Pavlovich, it's a scary fight, but it's not going to motivate him because even if he wins, it's, we don't I mean, I, I think he's the scariest because like we've seen like with heavyweights, if you get hit, that's it. And, yeah, and John Jones has been able to get hit, so I just feel like there is a lot. I mean, it's he, the closest thing to Francis he's going to be able to get, in my opinion. He, he did recognize it's a dangerous fight, but right. he said he's just not a big enough name. Right. So Yeah, I just think given what he did to Surreal, I, I don't see... I struggle to see how uh, Pavlovich would be able to deal with Jones' wrestling, but I also fit, struggle to see what Stipe has to offer other than the credentials you're yeah. talking about as a reason sure. for Jones to fight. I'm like, I personally don't think... Jones and Stipe's particularly exciting fight as far as the matchup, right. but, but I do agree in that if for Jones to submit his legacy even further, right. Stipe's the guy. It's just because he, until somebody, you know, kind of takes Stipe off that throne, which... It, Sorry, and, and that's not, I want to be clear. That's not a knock on Jones. Like when he did this real, sure. blew me away. Like I was mm-hmm. the guy sitting here saying, "Looks real, is the, the right. one," you know. But in, he just wasn't. So. Yeah, and even for like beating Stipe may still not be enough because he's not gonna. If he retires after that, he's not gonna have the same amount of right. title defenses and and different things like that. But. If he goes out and just runs through Cipe, which I think is what he wants to do, I think he just wants to go out and just, just like he did Surreal, like, mm-hmm. dude, this is too, you know, I think that's what he would go for. Now, whether he could do it or not, I don't know. Cipe's a dog. Uh, but I'm just saying, I just, I get where John Jones is like, you know, people are going to, you know, oh, he's just afraid, you know, that's fine. You can say that. But <laughs> the dude's fought literally everybody. Who has he avoided? Sergey Pavlovich. He's not avoiding <laughs> no, him, he's though. Not. He's afraid of him, though. Well, I'm just saying. You got to fight who's there, John, man. John, his best fight win is Curtis Blades. Right, because people... boxed him. Because people don't want to fight him. Who's a Division One wrestler. You got to fight everybody, man. You think Box he's, him. You think he's, like, really that threatening to Jones? Yes. Like, as far as a matchup? Yes. But John also thinks Francis Ngannou could beat Tyson Fury. Like, he thinks it'd be a good... Match? In a boxing match? I think he has a better chance of beating him than, he ha- than Tyson Fury has a chance of beating Francis in an MMA fight. Because that's my other wild card fight for John Jones, if, Tyson Fury. If Because Dana's ready to pay. Oh, you saw that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see it last yeah. night? Dana's like quadrupling down on, he's like literally like, Tyson, call me. I want to set this up. Mm. Baddest man on the planet, all that stuff. Dude, yeah, not, not only that, 
somebody brought up a clip of him saying that after the Francis Stipe fight, uh, Francis, they asked him about John Jones, and he said, if I'm John Jones and I watch that Francis Stipe 2 fight, yeah. I'm moving down to 185. He said the exact same. Yeah, and then he <laughs> went and said the same thing to Francis, or right. about Francis yeah. about Jones. Yeah, I saw that. But like I said, I mean, I could see a world where, you know, but I still think for John Jones, if you asked him the big money fight between Tyson Fury or the legacy fight against Stipe, he takes Stipe. I, I think if you gave him the choice, he would take Stipe. Do you think he even sees uh, Tyson as a realistic possibility? I don't think he cares. I think he sees him as a check because he's gonna he's gonna he would mop the floor in a mixed martial arts fight, right? But I mean, like just as it, I mean, as far as that fight even coming to fruition, I mean, that's the biggest money fight. It's definitely the biggest money. Yeah, that that pay per view would do probably really well. And when you talk <laughs> about a legacy, you'd be able to tie know, yourself though, to the best heavyweight. I just I don't know if it would really. I don't know. I, I don't know say, if it would really do anything because we've seen it. Frank, with Floyd and no, Connor. no, Randy Couture and no, no, this isn't Tyson. Oh, you're because the MMA. This piece, he wants Tyson to come fight in mm. the UFC, and we've just seen it. I mean, there's just and we've seen. Did you see when Tyson like did like takedowns and stuff like that? Have you no. seen that video? I saw it's, him leg kick. I like, think. In, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it would be really bad for him. It would be really bad. I bet John Jones would, like wouldn't throw a punch. He'd probably just leg kick him yeah. just to, just to prove a point. You know. So I mean, like I said, we've seen it with James Tony and Randy Couture. Granted, they were both older. But we did see it with Ray Mercer and Tim Sylvia, though. Yeah, Ray Mercer did knock out <laughs> Tim Sylvia. That's right. Uh, we got to move on, boys. Next fighter I want to discuss, Israel Adesanya. Um, I think Izzy's in a very interesting spot with no real clear-cut contender or challenger at the moment. Obviously, we know Drikas Duplessis and Robert Whitaker are set to fight in what is expected to be the number one contender matchup on July 8th. But the UFC just announced they're returning to Australia in September, or on September. September 10th for UFC 293. Um, now, common sense would tell you Izzy, and more importantly, probably the UFC want to do everything they can to get Izzy on that September card. Uh, but what if 60 days, I kind of set this up with you guys already, but what if 60 days isn't enough for Whitaker or Duplessis to turn around after that win and fight Izzy? Um, I do think given the opportunity, both would do it, though. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm not saying that, but injuries happen. I mean, we just don't know how the fight's going to play out. A draw. I mean, there's so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, but trust me when I say the UFC would probably love nothing more than another big Australia headliner between Whitaker and Izzy since the first one was so big and to this mm -hmm. day holds the largest UFC attendance record. Um, but like I said, with injuries, you just don't know. Um, but there is a sure thing that they could book right now. Um, and John, I know it's something that you kind of mentioned and I liked it, so I'll let you take that. But I guess that's what it comes down to is do you hold out for that and try to turn around Whitaker or Duplessis if you're the UFC and risk like that two-month period maybe not being enough? Or do you book a sure thing right now that you can kind of start promoting? Mm -hmm. So so uh, basically from how things have gone around, it seems like there's definitely an option that Jamal Hill, him and Jamal Hill fight for the 205 belt. Yeah. Um, it'd be a super fight. And then with the storyline of them wanting to, you know, everybody kind of wants to see the Pajeda rematch again. Pajeda beats Jan Blahovich. Izzy beats Jamal Hill. You fight for the fight the title at 205. Hmm. You get your you know your trilogy fight in MMA. Um, there's also the option of Hamzat. You know if you don't do him with Usman, you could very well do him with Izzy at 85. Yeah. Um, the more kind of boring, not necessarily uh, it's boring. If Cannonier beats Marvin Vittori, he could probably turn around and make it work a little bit quicker than the yeah. winner of Whitaker and Duplessis. But I doubt anybody wants to see that one again. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you have the Whitaker um, Duplessis winner. 
Um, if they want to make that turnaround, it's very possible as well. But I do think yeah. Hamza and Jamal Hill are probably your most two realistic options there. Sure. And you're good. Go okay. Ahead. Well, I just think you also have to ask yourself is how competitive do you think that fight would realistically be? We've seen Izzy at 205 against a guy like Blachowicz, who is smaller than Hill. Um, and Izzy kind of got bullied around in that fight. Um, and then if you're the UFC, you also have to consider if Izzy wins his next fight. Or if he wins, his next fight probably won't be at 205 as he will have to go back down to 85 to fight Duplacy or Whitaker. So that could also create some challenges there. Mm -hmm. um, but if you did allow him to hold that double champ status, um, I do think you're potentially setting yourself up for a massive light heavyweight fight with Pereira, as you mentioned. Probably the biggest fight you could make. Oh, yeah. Since, mm. you know, since John Jones left the division, definitely the biggest light heavyweight fight you could make. Um, because if Pereira beats him, that MMA trilogy being at 205 pound, like just blockbuster stuff. Yeah. Obviously, it would give you a fresh perspective on this matchup to begin with. Obviously, with Alex not having to cut down to eighty five, um, how much more dangerous is he going to be at two hundred five? Right. We'll have to see, but you can see where as fans it creates that parody in a matchup that we've already seen twice now. It is split, but to see it again and happening at 205, it would just add to that excitement. Well, for both of them, that's a huge ask sure. for both of them to win. Because Blahovich is going to, you know he's going to use his wrestling for Pajeda, right. who a lot of people see that as a as yeah. a whole. And then Izzy being smaller than Jamal Hill. Obviously, Jamal Hill doesn't use as much wrestling, so sure. it, you're probably looking at more of a striking matchup. But there's a potential both of those guys lose. But if they win. And Jamal Hill's another guy we could discuss here because all we keep hearing about Yuri is he needs more time he needs more time he needs more time there's no date set on that uh, Dana last he said was word is not going to rush him he said it's the worst shoulder injury he's seen one of the worst injuries he's seen since doing the UFC so Yuri's probably got so Jamal Hill's another guy who what do you do so when you got these two guys sitting here if it's something they want to do, I mean, I'd be down to see it. I don't I don't know if Izzy could pull it off. It would be interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like I said, Jamal Hill's in a similar situation. You do still have Magomed. Yeah, I don't know. Because he's, he's yeah. coming off of that, you know, the fight against Blahovich And, you know, that fight was would have been for a title fight. But sure. obviously it didn't end up the way they liked it. But he is available. He's not booked. Yeah. Didn't Jamal say at one point he wanted to give Yuri a certain length of time and then it was move on to... Magomed. I thought he said that at one point, which granted he doesn't call those kinds of shots, I guess. Right. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, but how much longer do you wait? Like if, I think the the closest date I had even heard, like soonest for Yuri would be September. Mm -hmm. That I, I feel like that's like the last thing I heard. And then like I said, Dana's just kind of like, he keeps telling Yuri like, don't rush it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you're kind of at that point now, like I said, where it's like, I think they do need to decide. I mean, Dana also said whenever he comes back, whoever's the champ, he is next. So, again, even if Izzy, say, fights Jamal and beats him, and then Yuri's ready to go and say Alex beats Blachowicz, then do you take Yuri's opportunity away? Because I promise you, I don't. there's no way in my – I mean, John, you can argue with me all you want, but there's no way Izzy gets through Jamal Hill and Yuri Brohashka before he gets back to Alex Pereira. So if he pulled off the the miraculous, the miraculoso, I mean, mm -hmm. and beat Jamal Hill, you'd have to pass Yuri and give him Pereira. Well, I think even he, if Yuri was ready, him and Yuri have the same management as well. And I think I don't know how I don't know if they're in the I would fight each other type of would. thing. I know management. So a lot of guys too. But that. I also feel like if any guy who's stand up centric, Izzy has a chance against because he's such a great striker. Yeah, I don't. It'd be. I mean, it is hard to say. I mean, if you, you mix in grappling, I, you, I'll give anybody that it's argument. It's just going to be so interesting to see Pedeta at 205 because I think that's going to tell us a lot. Yeah, no, know? for sure. Mm -hmm. And we'll just see how he bounces back from getting knocked out like that. Guys don't always 
react better. But I mean, I, I think there's not a loss too if you just don't book Izzy for this September. Sure. For the UFC, they would be mad. But Duplacy and him is the biggest 85 fight you can make if he were to win. Well, I think because Whitaker, of the storyline in Australia, it's still him no, Whitaker. yeah, in Australia. But I'm just saying, as far as the storyline that's built up, like I feel like it, if they could cancel the Whitaker Duplacy fight, they would do Izzy and Duplacy right now just because it's built up. I mean, they could have done it though. No, right. That's what I'm saying. That's something that's still there. No, I'm saying they could have not built du- or booked Duplacy and Whitaker. Right. If it was that big of a fight, I just don't think they're that interested in it. Mm, I think it could still be really big, but Duplacy and Izzy. Yeah. No, what's big about that? Just because of their banter back and forth with each other. And you could do a fight in Africa and it would sell. The thing is, and I'm, I I know you're going to think I'm just going at you, but you're an Izzy fan. So the Duplacy, he is real to Well, I want you. your truck. Right. Well, yeah, you probably want my truck too. We got a bet. But, so. but Wait, what's the bet? Is I, if Izzy's next fight was Duplacy... I told John because after Duplacy's last win, John tried going on the saying of like, oh, he could fight Izzy next. And I'm like, John, <laughs> Israel Adesanya's next fight will not be... Drake is Duplacy. I said I would give you my car if it's Drake is Duplacy. And then now, and then the joke was is we're literally a Robert Whitaker injury away from mm. John owning my truck. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if Whitaker gets injured, he's definitely fighting Duplacy. Yeah. But I think as an Izzy fan, you're so plugged into that 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 heat feels real to you. But to casual, like not well, not casuals, casuals, but, yeah, but, yeah. It. But I mean, <laughs> casuals. But to people on the outside, it doesn't really do much for it. We're not Izzy fans, so Drake is going to Izzy. I could care less. I'm just saying that's the that's the newest, like freshest storyline at that in that division. But Whitaker's still the bigger fight uh, amongst mo- all fans, like outside right. of just Izzy fans. Him versus Whitaker, I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see it again because Whitaker continues to get better. Um, and I think if Drekus was that big of a fight, they would have just booked it. Yeah. I just feel like it's the – when you talk about people being interested in a fight like a John Jones as but well. People aren't as, that's what I'm saying. People aren't as interested in it as you are because you're an No, no, no. no. You, didn't, you didn't let me finish. How you were talking about how John Jones likes interesting, like, you know, something that's going to – something new for him. That's what Duplacy is for Izzy, and oh, that's why yeah. Izzy has been calling for it. I'm sure Izzy – Because it's somebody would, different. Yeah, I'm sure he would love that fight because he's probably going to just – <laughs> I mean, he's going to dance around him. Yeah. But but like I said, I don't think it's – if it was so big, they would have just done it. So last guy we're going to talk about, uh, Max Holloway, boys. What is next for Blessed? Uh, I feel like Max might be in the toughest position – uh, of any fighter in this promotion because what do you do with him? Um, there's mm-hmm. obviously the Korean zombie fight, uh, but Dana was actually asked about this fight last night, and I don't know if you guys saw, but he just kind of sarcastically replied, like, do you guys want to see that fight? Like, <laughs> So I don't think there's much interest from the UFC for that fight. And you could argue if a guy like Max, which I think does deserves a legacy fight right that that was one that he wanted he wants that fight for himself and you could argue he kind of is in a spot where maybe he kind of deserves those types of fights fair enough and and that's for him to negotiate with them but you could keep feeding him featherweight contenders but he's probably just going to keep plucking them off one by one Mm -hmm. and besides killing off contenders what's the end goal with that anyways i mean he gets the fourth volk fight nobody's calling for that either and and being honest i bet if you ask max he probably doesn't really want that fight um not because he doesn't think he can beat him i'm sure he'd probably go for it again but he probably just doesn't excite a guy like max holloway who's is where he is in his career you know Mm. um and none of this is Max Max's fault either. I mean, he's just kind of the best of the rest. And mm-hmm. you look at a guy like Robert Whitaker, who if he beats Duplacy and then loses to Izzy again, he's going to be right here in the same spot where Max is, where it's like, what do you do, man? Um, I'm going to tell you, I'll just go right into it. Here's what I would do if I'm the UFC and maybe even Max. I would sit back 
I would wait for Conor McGregor, and I would set up whether he wins, loses, whatever. I would do the Max Conor rematch at 155 pounds, um, and I genuinely think I've told you guys, um, Oliver and Dariush is the biggest non-title fight the UFC could make. That fight's obviously going to be over this Saturday. Conor McGregor and Max Holloway is the biggest non-title fight the UFC <laughs> could make right now. Maybe you could argue Usman and, and Hamzat would be up there as well, um, but that pay-per-view would be massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, for where the UFC is, that fight, to me, is one of the rare non-title fights that they could book that could main even a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't need a title fight above that. You wouldn't need to attach no BMF title to it. That fight sells itself. Nobody's going to say no to that fight. I think it would trans, you know, it would break through to, you know, your household names like like getting into more casuals like me and Brandon, we would buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Well, when we talked about it, I said you could even finally give Connor his Ireland card. You could do it in Ireland. Even uh, Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah, you could just do, I mean, dude, you could do it in Utah. Well, you that, know, that's you, just it, one of those fights <laughs> you could break up. If you, a, if you uh, build area. it, people are going to come. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter where you do a fight like that. It could, it could literally be anywhere in the world, and it's going to be massive. And I don't know. I just, to me, and... <sighs> We could go on an hour because I'm sitting here today, like asking myself, is Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler even going to happen? I don't know. Couldn't tell yeah. you. Who knows? Uh, but I'm just saying, like, I, and, and Max is over the last two years, he's, I went and looked, he's only fighting about once every nine months. Right. So it could line up January. You could kick off first pay per view of the year, him versus Conor. Um, and Conor said this week he wants to fight three to four times a year. He said it in an interview with Megan O'Leary. So, mm-hmm. If Connor's wanting to stay active and Max would be willing be willing to hold out for a couple more months, well, there's there's two things that I, I think about with this. I do think that's a great idea. Um, if he does want to go up to 55, Fizev doesn't have a fight right now, and he's looking for somebody in August. One. I know you mentioned like the parody of the BMF belt, but you know a chance of him in like Gaethje or something fighting could be interesting. But we're also forgetting the storyline as if Yair beats Volkanovski. Max has a win over Yeah Year, and you could probably just plug him right back into getting back see, to the title. What, of I almost feel like he's waiting for that. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of waiting to see because if yeah, if Yeah Year, I mean, first off, that first fight was phenomenal. Right, and you're, nobody's going to say no to a rematch to that fight. But I do kind of have a feeling uh, he is kind of holding out, which probably see. lets you know how how close he thinks that fight has potential to be. Which is yeah. which is, which is good for a title shot because we've kind of seen Volkanovski run through people. Yeah, uh, even Max's last fight. Yeah, so I under, I understand him wanting to do that as a fan. I don't want to see him at 45. I want to see yeah. him move up to 55 so bad. There's so many lucrative options up yeah. there. Connor obviously being the biggest, and whether that's 55 or 70, but right. his last fight at 55 was when he fought Dustin for the interim title, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, that he lost that, but I mean, he looked okay. He was just I mean, too small. Yeah, he wasn't bulked but if he, up. But if he gives himself, you know, eight, nine months, and just yeah. really focuses on eating and getting right. up there, I think... You know, he's got a whole new... And he's only 31. Yeah, it's crazy. He's so young. He, he could have a whole nother career at 55. Yeah, that that brain might be 55. Well, <laughs> that's another discussion. Yeah, he, yeah he could go till 35, 36 and have a whole another 18 mm-hmm. fight. I mean, yeah. I, but just, yeah, I mean, okay, so you beat Yair and then what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Volk's gonna be right back. Mm-hmm. Like, or if Volk's, I mean, Volk's been talking about going up to fifty-five too, so he might just follow him and be his boogeyman up there too. Could mm-hmm. be. So if 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 Volk, you know, loses and he gets up, and they say, "All right, we'll get you against Islam or something," then he's probably like, "Oh no, I'm good, bro. I'll just be the best featherweight mm-hmm. ever." I just think if I'm Max and I'm sitting at home right now, I'm like, "Yeah, you could wait, but like Brandon, like you beat Yai here, then what? Arnold Allen's gonna be back soon. You gonna fight him again? Like, you know what I mean? Ilya Tapora. Yeah, like uh, great, 
here's the thing, fun matchups, but dude, there's just so many. Like, I would just be sitting at home right now, like, okay, let's go early 2024, and I'm just going to spend from now till then getting bigger and doing right. it the right way. And, and just then think of the names, though, that are oh, up there. Dude, I mean, yeah. Chandler, Gaethje, Poirier, Oliver, Darius, Islam. Even if you didn't want to start at the top, there's like the RDAs and, and people like Fizee. that who are, are names. Would be yeah. There's tons yeah. of fights. No, I, I agree. I, I, I know after Max's Arnold Allen fight, we had discussed, like, he's probably going to sit and wait and see what happens. But, man, there's just no better time than to make that move for him right now. And I think it would be huge. And I hate just kind of like, because I know I said with Usman McGregor earlier as well, and I hate that Connor's just like this little thing you can just <laughs> sprinkle over anybody's head. And it's like, magic, it works. It's but, the biggest brand in MMA, man. Well, and, I, dude, I don't think Max, I mean, I, Max is far behind Connor. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of, like, what's left, I think Max is one of the biggest stars in the promotion. I mean, he does the mm-hmm. streaming. He translates into gaming, which is just a massive thing right now. Max has fans that I'm sure they probably watch his fight, but they're fans of him because of his gaming, mm-hmm. not because of what he does in the octagon. Like I said, I'm sure they watch and follow. Like, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, I'm telling you, man, he's huge. And, and it would just be a big one of the few fights and you're looking through every weight class that they could do mm-hmm. and wouldn't need a title, wouldn't need anything, and it can main event a pay-per-view. There's not many fights you could think in your head that can main event a pay-per-view without a title on the line. Yeah. Well, and it is interesting, too, because, you know, um, you do have, if, if Volk does go up, you do have 35ers like Aljamain who want to come up who could be yeah. fights for um, Max as well. So Again, I just don't, I just doesn't yeah. do it. it like, you, we just ran through those names at 55. And but we also don't know if Connor can actually fight 55 anymore. He says it, oh, I'm sure but he's big. Ma- Max would fight Connor at 70. Yeah, you're you know, right about that. I don't think it'd be a good idea, but I think no. he would do it. But I think anybody who has Because just like Chandler. Connor, Chandler yeah. said he'd fight him at 205 if he yeah. had to. Well, that's what I said. Like, I don't want Connor to just be this, like, little thing that's just always there, but... For some guys, and and if you're asking me, Usman or Max, I would say give me him and Max at 55, a thousand percent. That matchup would be way better. The storyline's already there. Uh, oh yeah, the rematch. Yeah, it's, it's always it's just like the Dustin one. You know, it'd mm-hmm. be huge. But John, let's get to the news. We're going on the news. Mm, we're going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. All right, fellas, got a couple things for you. First, bantamweight contender Marab Dwalishvili is going to be out for three to four months after getting surgery on his hand. Um, I know we've seen him with Cass and yeah. some of these past couple of things, but now we have a timetable, yeah, which leaves room for the you know to, to for things to kind of shake out with O'Malley and Sterling before yeah. we figure out what's going on in that division. A uh, rising UFC heavyweight prospect Jelton Almeida will be fighting Curtis Blades in Sao Paulo, Brazil, in November. Huge opportunity. Who takes who down? Like what? Mm. This, this is that. I think John Almeida is a way, has way more tricks in the bag than just the level change that I mean, Curtis plays. Yeah, does. Curtis hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been using the takedowns as much lately. So, but man, that's a grappler's delight mm. right there. That's yeah. going to be and to be in Brazil, like yeah. So Almeida is going to go from the the early prelims main event to main eventing in this country. Like yeah. that's just such a crazy rise. Uh, Dana White announced the full card for UFC fight pass invitational four taking place <laughs> June 29th. It'll be headlined by Felipe Pena versus Craig Jones. Uh, also featuring Glover Teixeira versus Anthony Smith, Nick Marigali versus Cyborg Abreu, uh, Roman Bravo young versus Alex Perez in mm-hmm. an eight man 30 K prize, absolute tournament that includes names like Nikki rod, big Dan Wagner Hocha and our boy high Rita. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, 
probably in terms of just names, probably one of the biggest grappling cards. I'm not saying the best in terms of talent, but just one of the biggest grappling cards ever assembled. Yeah. Um, you know, like seeing RBY in a jujitsu setting mm -hmm. is going to be very, like, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen guys like Bo Nickel mm -hmm. take on, you know, Gordon, obviously, but, and he's not going against a kill, you know, Alex Perez, you know, obviously he's a mixed martial artist, so he has jujitsu, but I think that's a funner one than, than giving him like a Cade Ruotolo or something, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. Cade would just probably take his neck home you know for right. lunch but uh it's going to be very interesting and i think rby has mentioned transitioning into the into mma so i think you know this is just the ufc kind of getting out in front of it like let's just kind of start easing you into it but mm -hmm. that one really interests me and then obviously big dan monsoy and nikki rod you know just the whole b team and yeah all that stuff and then you throw Heisem in there as well and it'll be interesting names. if like Nikki Rod gets to the finals against Heisem and they have like yeah. a little team, <laughs> team matchup but team. for 30k yeah. And yeah me and you are getting in there for 30k that's, yeah that's <laughs> the other yeah no 100 percent. I mean that's the other thing just the fact that the UFC is willing to put money like that behind grappling is huge and I mean I don't have a fight, fight pass account but I will be getting one for that mm -hmm. you know that's one of those ones yeah you, you just do the one month wasn't what, was cyborg supposed to be one of them that was suspended uh, or is that only in a certain Yeah, setting? that's just an IBJJF. Okay, okay. I don't know if he was one of them, but that was just under, yeah, you just. Did you give a time for that? I know you said the 29th. Um, it's it's on their face or on yeah, their Instagram. I'll look it up. I don't think it's like super late, maybe like a nine o'clock or something, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Um, and the last bit of UFC news, obviously last Tuesday was the premiere of the Ultimate Fighter. Um, a lot of quotables, a lot of Connor interactions that we've come to expect and look forward to. You'll do what you're told. Yeah. So the theme was vets versus prospects. Both coaches had an option to take a group of either lightweights or bantamweights in both of those categories. Ironically, Michael Chandler ends up with both veteran groups and Connor taking both prospects groups. Um, in the first fight, Chandler chose his 55er Roosevelt Roberts and Connor sent out his prospect Nate Jennerman. And that Sheesh. fight ended very quickly with uh, Robert landing yeah. a couple right hands that Jennerman just couldn't handle putting Chandler up one nothing on connor yeah wasn't didn't they say what did they say it was the quickest ultimate fighter knockout or i don't know if it was second? the quickest or tied because that one that um uriah hall hit on that dude that kick that was yeah. pretty quick i think but I remember. yeah it definitely was um seeing connor doesn't take losing very well yeah. <laughs> um what do you guys think of him not showing up to the weigh-ins oh man it's connor move it's interesting yeah I, I think the interactions are hilarious but i love that they showed the behind the scenes stuff that wasn't edited mm -hmm. because the whole you'll do as you're told thing yeah. with fighting 85 you'll do as you're told. it played out so much different raw than it did from how they chopped it up well, i think i think i saw something where chandler said they just like stuck them in that room for like half an hour yeah they told him hey go wait out here for a second and then 30 minutes later they finally came and got yeah him. they were essentially trying to get like the interactions mm -hmm. but he was like honestly most of it was just us standing there not saying anything yeah. <laughs> He's like, there was a lot of just awkward silence. <laughs> well, it's funny too, because you can tell Connor in his life and his stardom, like casual interactions aren't really a thing for him. Yeah. So it's more like, you know, posturing, keeping up his, you know, his image. Sure. And then like breaking into convo for a second and then going right back to it. I imagine after like 15 minutes, Chandler like looks over and Connor's just doing like kettlebell swings over there in the corner. Like, <laughs> look at these triceps. You see these traps? Well, you remember the last season he coached, you know, he was, he had all the sweat stains in his yeah. dress shirts and he was just really in to it but yeah. um i do think it's interesting both the, you know connor getting all the prospects chandler getting all the veterans some of connor's yeah. teammate or one of connor teammate ending up on chandler's team see that's the part that almost like makes i don't want to say staged but i do kind of wonder if the format was always going to be rookies versus vets and mm -hmm. they, they just kind of made it seem like that's how just by chance that's how yeah it and, and may, i think connor does have one of his teammates are on his team uh -huh. anyway so you know it's not like 
you know completely right yeah. but uh yeah it does kind of just make you wonder if that was kind of the theme anyways like maybe they wanted to go with it but wanted it to seem a little mm-hmm. more natural or whatever but i think it is cool that it did end up like that and i think it's going to make it very interesting um and some of the vets man like roosevelt roberts was a guy i was really high on early on i thought he was a like really and then you know he kind of mm-hmm. struggled a little bit love jason knight being oh, back yeah, uh, yeah. Just, <laughs> i'm already just even seeing the snippets like i know he's in the house just getting buzzled just yeah headbutting people yeah. probably really glad to see jason knight there was another guy that i had never heard of he was the guy that was grilling when roosevelt him and roosevelt roberts were talking yeah. by the grill i can't remember what his name was it starts with an h but i looked up him and I think he had like three or four fights in the UFC, and I think he only won one fight. Mm. But dude, his three losses were literally like killers. Mm. Like he got like played from the beginning. So I'm like, <laughs> he's one where I'm like, I'm actually kind of interested because I I kind of was going through like uh, sheer dog and tapology, just trying to see like where guys are at in their careers and stuff, and maybe maybe like some of the rookies if they fought anybody bigger. But he was one where I'm like, gosh, he kind of got dealt a really really <laughs> yeah. bad hand there in the UFC early on. I think it's going to be. Interesting. Well, just real quick, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out because when we're talking about these veterans, like you said, these are guys who you know lost to like some really yeah. big names, but weren't like necessarily getting sure. washed. Yeah. And these prospects have got a long it's way tough. to go uh, trying to fight some of these guys who fought really big names. Yeah. I was just going to ask if you remembered who any of the guys were he fought in the UFC. I can't. I can't remember. No, okay. but I remember there like his three law. I think he lost like three in a row or two of his last. I don't remember. Um, but I'm like, golly, dude, those are some tough. Law. I'll look him up I'll, mm. i remember i'll remember his name my last thing about the episode and it's what i sent to the group is like connor could talk me into fighting a stranger at walmart <laughs> for sure like the way he the way he just like his tone and the what the things he says are just like, like i said they're all quotables he makes it make sense yeah so it makes it just like you know what dude i will go fight that grizzly bear because yeah but a bad thing is like that's a lot of people think is his biggest downfall too because like even when he's talking about fighting some of his ideas are like yeah, yeah, but that seems a little far-fetched that that's actually going to work, right? You're also talking about a guy who almost knocks somebody out with shoulder strikes. So. Yeah, right. I mean, he's going to go for it. He probably believes the impossible. I mean, he's definitely going to go for it. But, like, I remember when he was, like, trying to really convince people that his capoeira was going to work, you know, in the <laughs> UFC. And it's like, that's kind of been proven before that that is not going to work. And yeah. No, no, you don't understand the movement. You know, yeah. it's just like, ah, all right, buddy, whatever. Definitely looking forward to this next episode, man. I think yeah. this, this is the most excited I've been in back. a while. Yeah, it's nice having it back. Brandon... I still got two more things. Oh, sorry, quick. sorry. In yeah. some more unfortunate PFL news, John, uh, we already know Chris Dawkins. Their 2022 <laughs> light heavyweight champion Rob Wilkinson was pulled from his upcoming yeah. fight and the season after failing a drug test. Another unfortunate setback for PFL, who seemed to have nothing but bad luck since announcing the Francis deal. This is rough, man. I mean, yeah. I you gotta feel, yeah, you gotta feel for PFL here. You know, you you break the bank on Francis and you get all this good PR and all this attention. You're in season. You got to think it's going to help your season. And then, like now, not only half your roster, you've lost. I mean, it's essentially ruined. Like uh, we were talking about, Ali Abdelaziz actually put something that I'm like, he's pretty spot on. Is these fighters have essentially now ruined this season, and Mm -hmm. it's really unfortunate. And you got to feel for them because, man, I mean, and then losing your champ like Rob Wilkinson, Mm -hmm. that that sucks, man. Yeah, and I mean, even. With the Francis, like you don't even get excitement for either heavyweight division because yeah. you lost, you know, a big chunk of them. Yeah. Uh, last little bit, kind of relating to PFL, but this is boxing. Last night, uh, Saturday, Clarissa Shields remains undefeated after getting a one-sided victory in her hometown over Marcella uh, Cornejo. 
Um, obviously, Clarissa Shields hasn't been back in to PFL for a while, but she still remains undefeated as a yeah, boxer. Yeah, I wonder what her future is there on that. Well, I guess it'll just depend on what happens from how all this shakes out. Because also, you know, I know that they've talked about with Jake Paul doing boxing stuff through PFL. Yeah. Obviously, Francis isn't tied there for boxing, sure. but you do have potential there because Clarissa Shields still is an undefeated champion. Right. So if you could find a way to set up a boxing match on there, maybe that's how you salvage some of this too. Nothing on Chris Dawkins falling out of his fight against Khalil Roundtree. <laughs> Didn't no. want to talk about that. Greatest, no. greatest heavyweight. I got that in my time. personal notes. I just don't. I just don't put it out here anymore. <laughs> Never forget breaking. No, no, we're gonna start right off. Chris Dawkins, man. Like, <laughs> golly. <laughs> This guy, Brandon. What's your song of the week? Oh, I'm song of the week. Yeah. Oh, so you've been, unprepared. You've been passed a couple of times. So um, make it yeah. Out. yeah. Let's do our one for the people, and I'll come up with a song of the week for after that. All right. Well, what's your one for the people? Uh, one for the people. Happy to be back, guys. It's yeah. fun being back in the room. It feels it's, better it's, in here. Yeah. Long two yeah. months, but um, I did listen to some of every episode. So yeah. I didn't listen to mm-hmm. an entire episode that you guys did, but I listened to some of every one. Got to say, um, not not the worst you guys have done, not the best, but yeah, I'm yeah, glad to come in, clean it up a little right. bit. And, I'm telling you, we needed you know, man that thirty yeah. that thirty six point eight percent. We were on the verge of losing them, so. It's good to have you back. So yeah, that's that's all for me. Go ahead, John. Um, I want for the people is sh- shout out to the new Batman man, Hysam Rita man, running down a car thief. Oh, yeah, we just, did you see that? No, you somebody was that. trying to break into his car and he chased him down. Is there video? Incompa- no, there's not of the actual event, no, but there's video of the, the cops aftermath. afterwards. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting there talking to the cops and he looks like he's talking them through like a foot sweep. He's like, I don't know, you see his leg go up. Uh, then you see them just like plop this guy down into a stretcher. This guy's like, looks, <laughs> he looks like dead. <laughs> so my estimation was he's seen him breaking into his car. He because he didn't Heisman didn't have shoes on either, so he probably kicked off his slides, runs this dude down, probably foot sweeps and does whatever else till the cops come. And then he's sitting there explaining it to him. Um, he posted in his story like, "Hey, I'm all right, guy. That guy is in jail." Da 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 da. But basically, he's like. Yeah, don't try me. Yeah, glad he's <laughs> all right. You know, I mean, obviously that's that's got to be scary. You know, mm-hmm. even though you're a guy like Heisman that can handle yourself, it's got to be scary. But I saw uh, Craig Jones was the one that shared that video, mm-hmm. and then he commented on it and was like, "Word said something like to the extent of like word to the wise, old white guys don't drive black Cadillacs <laughs> or something like that." <laughs> I mean, imagine like you think you're breaking into like some old guy's car or something, and then Heisman runs out, and you're just uh-huh. like, oh, just like full blown athlete. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. absolutely the rash guard. Yeah, yeah. He, he got he probably got to him in four strides yeah. no matter how far away he was and then just and this dude just like he, he was just like he said just splayed out face uh, we'll or head sh- little bleeding a little we'll bit we'll show you the video yeah, yeah shout yeah, out to the giraffe but shout out to him man yeah love it did you get your song of the yeah, week yeah let's do uh, Freak Unleashed by Corn. Alrighty. Nice. I don't mind that. What's your one for the people? Uh, Just again, please, this Friday, come check us out on the kickback, 9.30 p.m. Link will be in our IG story. Um, And yeah, come party, man. Let's have some fun on a Friday night. Turn up, turn up. UFC 289, Amanda Nunes and Irene Aldana. In Vancouver. Yeah, in Vancouver, Mm. Canada. So come Friday, hang out, and then we will be back that next Monday, Monday to recap Mm-hmm. UFC 289 and get you set up for our next fight night, which I did not add in my notes per usual. I think it's the Vittori Cannoneer. That sounds right. We'll yep. go with that. Even if it's not, we'll make one up. Brandon will fight John <laughs> on the main event. All right. See you guys. Peace. It's for, it's for 30K. I'll do it for sure. <laughs>